YTTV Studios presents To The People Podcast. This podcast is powered by Youth To The People. We make pro-grade vegan, cruelty-free skincare for all genders, skin tones, passions, and people. And right here, every Sunday, you'll meet friends of the brand who are building stronger communities right where they are. I'm your host, Alyssa Shapiro, YTTP's Editorial and Special Projects Director. You know the phrase, chop wood, carry water? It comes from a story about being present enough in every task to really dedicate yourself to what you're doing in that moment and subsequently finding peace. There's a meditative aspect to anything that we do if we stay in the moment. Take a skincare routine. It might sound relatively trivial in the scheme of enlightenment, but when I take care of my skin, I choose to be present with myself, no distractions, and it becomes a moment of peace and wellness. There's more to skin health and skincare than just a routine, though. As YTTP co-founder Joe Cloyes tells me, skin health begins within. First and foremost, sleep. Second, drink enough water, stay hydrated. Two most important things for optimal skin health. Past that, when you get into your topical products and a healthy diet, of course. Joe grew up in skincare and has dedicated his career to skin health. Basically, he knows what he's talking about when he says hydration and a healthy diet show up on our skin. And when you're looking to build that topical routine, he recommends starting first with a good cleanser, like the YTTP Superfood Cleanser that's gentle, pH balanced, and won't dry out your skin. Something we were always taught from an early age, that you have to start with a good cleanser. If you're not cleansing the skin properly, all the other products you use aren't going to be as effective because there's layers of whatever happened throughout the day or at night on your skin. And so you're like, this stuff just can't do what it's doing to try to protect your skin. The basics are a good vitamin C product, a good hyaluronic acid product to help protect and help hydrate. So hydration and protection with key, with vitamins uh, to fight free radicals, to fight the pollutants, all the damage that's in the air out in the world that can damage your skin. Um, and then keeping your skin ultra hydrated, it's super important. Um, the drier your skin is, the more it will be stressed, the more it will have to work to protect itself, which is reducing your skin's health. And then just, yeah, a really good moisturizer and top it off with great SPF throughout the day, no matter where you are, inside or out. Yep, SPF always, even as we spend our days indoors, staring into the screens of our computers and phones. But back to the foundation of skin health, proper nutrition, rest, hydration, and physical wellness. They are essential pieces to the puzzle, but they're not always guaranteed. America has a wellness problem, and just like the concept of wellness, the lack of it is layered. Wellness requires rest, clean water, movement, community, care, and nutrition, things that have become privileges, but they should be rights. Access to all kinds of nourishment is vital for wellness. And today on To The People, you'll meet a few of our friends who are dedicating themselves to bringing wellness to their communities. First up is Luis Mota, who volunteers with Alma Backyard Farms. It's a nonprofit that grows and distributes fresh, healthy foods in neighborhoods across Los Angeles. Places like Alma Backyard Farms are crucial for bringing food to communities that are impacted by food apartheid. Food apartheid is a food system of exclusion that's based on race, geography, faith, and economics. It unjustly removes access from certain groups of people. 
in this country, access to healthful food down to what's available in local grocery stores is largely determined by federal subsidies for food production. And those subsidies heavily subsidize meat and dairy, hardly any produce. Access to healthy food is also largely determined by systemic racism, which has resulted in inequalities in economics and health. But urban farming has the power to expand who has access to health promoting food by growing it within the communities that were previously denied access. As food justice activist Karen Washington says, food apartheid asks us to look at the whole food system, and it brings us to the more important question, what are some of the social inequalities that you see, and what are you doing to erase some of those injustices? Since 2013, Alma Backyard Farms has offered solutions to a few of those injustices, including the repercussions of California's overcrowded prisons and food apartheid. They believe in making the most of human lives in the land. At Alma's farms in East LA, South LA, and Compton, people who were formerly incarcerated have the opportunity to care for and give back to their communities by growing food and learning about urban agriculture. Urban agriculture is good for the community and it's good for the earth too. According to the EPA, the Environmental Protection Agency, trees and vegetation actually lower surface and air temperatures pretty significantly. They reduce peak summer temperatures by anywhere from two to nine degrees Fahrenheit. Back to Luis. When he returned home after spending 22 years incarcerated, Alma gave him a place where he could transition back into society and an opportunity for him to give back to his community in a meaningful way. My first time on a farm, on an actual farm, was actually Alma Farms. Uh, growing up, I never really been at a farm. I remember in prison, um, when I'd be transferred from corporate prison up to Folsom or Calipat and going to the heart of California. And I remember seeing this, like endless boundaries of uh, agriculture, like just rows and rows and rows of whatever they were growing. And I was very, I was like, and I remember I was intrigued by it because it was like, wow, that is like a lot, a lot of work, a lot of things that go into a lot of planning. But I've been to ranches which is totally different. And I think that's, uh, for me, uh, being on a farm, the first time being on an actual farm and actual seeing how the whole setup, how everything is and how it connects is like, uh, like bringing food to your table, like on farms. While incarcerated, Luis developed chronic intestinal issues due, he says, to the food available to him. So not that we have choices in food. Every day, every week, it's basically the same. Uh, a menu but most of the food in there like especially the mystery meat stuff was not edible at all and I know they try to instill like good eating habits in there but what they say and what they feed you are two different things so without realizing where I was heading toward because of my health issues too like IBS um, I had to really watch what I had what I was eating um, so I will a lot of times change exchange my main course, which was like a mystery meat or whatever, for um, for the vegetables or beans or whatever it was, off like the next person that's sitting next to me. And of course they want the main course, but I want the vegetables. <laughs> that's all I wanted. So little by little I was, I was doing that. I found that I was doing that a lot. Um, and I just felt more fuller, felt better about it. And again, my IBS was improving because of it. And I did not know about vegan, but I was like doing it. I was eating healthy, but then the ration that they give you is only for basic 
uh, just to get you for that day. They don't want to give you too much calories, too much this or too much that. Um, they just want to keep you, give you enough just to keep you alive. By the time Luis returned home, he was dedicated to eating a healthful diet. He lived in transitional housing where he connected with the Anti-Recidivism Coalition and Alma Backyard Farms. Alma Backyard Farms says that for most people experiencing incarceration, they're rarely given the opportunity to engage with nature or provide nurture to others. But at Alma, they can do both. I know they need people to help out, you know, and, and that's what I like doing. I like coming into the picture and trying to volunteer and do what I can uh, because it really, it really helps me out in return. But uh, it feels good knowing that I could help out, knowing that I was in prison and whatnot. And I know I've done a lot of bad things in my past, um, but trying to just pay back, try to give back and try to make amends. But it's, it, but now it's like also it's just a part of who I am now. It's just like I want to just help people. Through their farm stand in Compton, Alma distributes organic whole foods to community members and restaurant partners. And they even educate children and young people about preparing healthy meals, gardening, and reducing their waste. In my early life, my relationship with food was one of survival. Uh, growing up, from uh, being the first generation born here in the United States and coming from immigrant parents, they did the best they could to shelter us and feed us. So one of our main sources of food was is that, uh, beans, rice, corn tortillas, especially coming from a background of, you know, Mexican descent, and cactus, uh, a lot of chayotes, a lot of basics, just basic stuff, staples that we eat as Mexicans. Of course, a lot of meat, um, but really a lot of Mexican dishes, they are made with lots and lots of vegetables. We were very poor. We used to go downtown in L.A., and we used to actually go where they had the big distributions areas and they used to throw away a lot of food. And there used to be lots of vegetables, lots of stuff. There's nothing wrong with it. And we were kids, we're like, we didn't know. So we would try to get food so we could eat and survive. Um, we used to go in the trash cans and get the stuff and eat. Um, and what I used to thought even back then, it was just shameful and wasteful that people just throwing this away when they could just give it away to people that need it. But in Elmo Farms, nothing goes to waste. And that's, I love that. Whatever can't be eaten, we go ahead and throw in a compost area. And so we reuse that to go ahead and, and re-energize, re, re, uh, uh, put nutrients back into our soil so we can grow more stuff and keep that going. Every day at Alma Backyard Farms looks a little different. My role there now, because I go there and I volunteer, I do everything from upkeeping the farm, harvesting, planting, um, and also when we do food drives, we distribute food on every two weeks on a Sunday. And so it's the first 200 people that come and we bag up the food and we have a curbside pickup and we start just putting the food in their cars for the people who need that, you know, are being affected by this COVID-19. The sustainable food movement is growing. More and more people are growing community gardens or seeking out produce from local farms. I'm getting my produce from a local farm and I've noticed that I'm extra grateful for the land that it was grow on, whose labor and love it took to grow and harvest it, the precious water it took, and the people in my city who take time to deliver it directly to me. Sustainable food allows us to rethink our relationship with food and with the land it comes from, and there's deep value in connecting with our food. It better connects us to our own bodies, our health, and our surroundings. And the better we connect with ourselves, the better our relationships with those around us. When asked why she began growing her own food, food justice activist Karen Washington replied, 
Well, it all started with the tomato. I never liked it. It wasn't red. It was pale pink. It had no taste. Until I started growing it myself, I didn't even know that it grew on a vine, let alone that it was red and brown and juicy. When I finally bit into someone's fresh, garden-grown tomato, it just changed my world. Someone put love, time, and care into growing the tomato that changed Karen Washington's world. If love, time, and care can do that for a tomato, imagine what those practices and commitments can do for us. When we actively love ourselves, spend time, and take care of our bodies and souls, we flourish. This commitment to caring for ourselves and those around us is vital as we endure what's been an especially traumatic year. This summer, during a time of racial and social uprising and the declarations that Black Lives Matter, one protester, a yoga instructor named Abi Abdun Nafi, sought to bring wellness to those alongside her at the protests. Because as she says, the key to her well-being is prioritizing mental health. Abi leads free yoga classes at Black Lives Matter Plaza in Washington, DC. Here's what she says about finding balance. Hold your own mental health and well-being as paramount. Just as important as you showing up to a protest, just as important as you standing out all night, just as important as anything else you're doing, your mental health should be up there. And I know it sounds like, initially it sounds like selfish, but it's really not. Um, especially, this isn't a new fight. This isn't, you know, something that just happened this year. This has been happening for decades and for hundreds of years. Um, you're in this for the long haul, pretty much. And you have to make sure that in order, just like, you know, if you're about to go for a run, you're going to make sure that you are eating the right foods. You're, you're going to make sure you're hydrated enough. You're going to make sure that your body is prepared for what you're about to put it through. Abi has been practicing yoga for eight years, and originally, it really had nothing to do with mindfulness at all. She wanted to learn how to do a handstand and how to get stronger. But soon she found that there were spiritual and mental benefits to yoga, too. It gave me a moment to just be still and to just be okay with where I was at. It wasn't like working toward anything or, you know, I need to do this to be better. I need to, you know, I need to do a handstand or I, I have to be this type of person. It was just like where you are right now is okay. And to sit in that. Um, and it, it gave me relief to not have to be put up against any type of expectations um, by myself, you know, that I can just sit there with my own mind, with my own body and be okay with where I am and know that I'm still doing the work of um, becoming better, a better person, a better friend, what have you. When she was in college, Abby struggled with mental wellness. She started taking antidepressants, but still her anxiety and depression reached a point where she had to check herself into the hospital for a few days. The drugs helped me for a little bit, but it wasn't a long-term solution for me. It was like I couldn't feel sad, but I couldn't feel anything. I couldn't feel happy either. So it was literally like I was walking around with a gray blob. That's when yoga came into the picture. Yoga definitely helped me instead of stuffing it down and putting a Band-Aid over it like sitting in it and feeling it and then letting it wash over me. To be still in those moments of chaos and those moments of um, just a lot going on in your mind and your body, um, it helps me, me be able to move through that. And um, even to this day, you know, when I have been high stress, it definitely helps me kind of release some of it as well as um, kind of offers me a place to be kind to myself once again and to let myself just feel what I 
feel like wherever I'm feeling, I have every right reason to feel no matter how ridiculous it is or how ridiculous I think it is. Like just feel it and then it'll go away faster. You know, the more you beat yourself up about it, the more it keeps on regurgitating itself. <laughs> like, hey, you still haven't dealt with me yet. Abby is an organizer with Occupy DC. It's a movement focused on ending police brutality, holding politicians accountable, and ensuring the mental and physical health of civil rights activists. Abby knows that she can't show up for other people if she's not showing up for herself, because showing up for others is really a lot to take on energetically. So it's first paramount that Abby holds space for her own emotional and mental health and well-being. Sometimes you just need to cry. Sometimes you need to vent. Sometimes you need to yell or kick something or break something. Like, just be honest with yourself about what you need in that moment and, you know, try to be able to provide it in a safe and non-judgmental space. Once we show up for ourselves, the way we show up for others has the power to be truly transformative. I remember one of the first classes, it was this lady came up to me and she was like, her husband had just recently passed and he was really into yoga. And she had never done it before. Like, um, that was his thing. And that was her first class ever. She's like, she felt like she was practicing with his spirit right then and there. And that almost made me cry. Like, just to be able to offer that space of where you can feel the connection with the person in the mat next to you or someone else who has experienced that what you're experiencing on your mat, it really does bring people together. Um, and it was also great, even though this is initially supposed to be um, a decompression session, essentially, for people who are protesting, I also realized what it, what it was was an opportunity for people to show up and support who didn't feel comfortable showing up in typical protesting situations. So maybe, you know, you don't feel safe or comfortable coming to rallies or, or you know, traditional protests where things make it aggressive or, you know, energy is high, people are angry, stuff like that. This was a way for you to show up and support um, in a different way. So we're, we're, we're reaching a different group of people and making protesting accessible. Abby considers her work an act of love and service. Her sessions aren't just another workout class. They're meant to support people along their protesting journey. The longer those around her spent protesting with little rest, though, Abby began to notice people became more irritable and a little less compassionate. They needed a physical refresh. Because at the end of the day, you know, you're standing up for, for, for me, you know, as part of the collective of who we're fighting for. You're standing up for me, you're standing up for my family, you're standing up for my nieces and nephews. And, you know, over the past eight years, I have put in a lot of work and money into being trained in this, like, let me use it. Let me use the skill that I've acquired to help other people. To show up for others, we have to first show up for ourselves. To grow our own metaphorical juicy tomato, we have to cultivate real holistic wellness. And because as humans, we lean on those around us, true wellness only exists when everyone around us has access. When my cup is full, I can afford to pour you a little when you need a refill. But having a full cup doesn't just impact decisions in the immediate. Real good options and the resulting healthy, positive choices that become available reverberate around us and the people in our circles. Luis and Abby are two people who are bringing wellness to their communities, ensuring that the people around them are well cared for, and they're taking time for and putting care into themselves too. I asked Luis how having access to fresh vegetables and fruits, how having access to an essential piece of wellness has impacted his life. Here's what he told me. It makes me more happier. Honestly, uh, I could eat and not feel sluggish. I could eat and have a, a clean conscience about me, uh, you know, conscious mind. Trying to eat healthy, just knowing what you want to eat. 
uh, like in the mornings when I have my handful of berries, throw them into my mouth and start up my digestive system, uh, whatnot. It helps me out with getting my IBS and stuff, um, drinking water. And uh, just knowing that I'm starting a good note helps me out for the rest of the day because it's, it's making that choice and that decision. And when you make positive choices, positive decisions for yourself, and that translates for me and other parts of my life, so my, in my experience, in my world, and my day. So I'm, I constantly try to make good decisions all the time. And it helps me also to keep myself grounded and um, continue just to take that personal inventory of myself, right? And so with that, it helps me be in control of my life. To the People podcast is a production of YTTP Studios. For more information about us, visit youthtothepeople.com. You can also watch and follow along with an exclusive yoga flow that Abby made for us on our site. I'll include the direct link in the show notes. To learn more, to get involved, or to give to Alma, visit almabackyardfarms.com. This episode was produced by Menazel and myself. It was edited by Menazel, and our theme music is by YTTP co-founder Greg Gonzalez and Hannah Fernando. Remember, you still have time to vote in person. And if you filled out a mail-in ballot but haven't sent it in yet, skip the mail. You can drop that off at a polling place near you. See you next week after the election.